This is the Chamber Chat Podcast, the show dedicated to chamber professionals to spark ideas and to get actionable tips and strategies to better serve your members and community. And now your host, he believes it is important for chambers to produce digital content. He's my dad, Brandon Burton. Hello, Chamber Champions. Welcome to the Chamber Chat Podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Burton, and it's my goal to introduce you to people and ideas to better help you serve your Chamber members and your community. Our title sponsor is Holman Brothers Membership Sales Solutions. Let's hear from Matt Morrow, President and CEO of the Springfield Area Chamber in Missouri, to learn how the Holman Brothers provided value to his chamber. Holman Brothers provided great training for our sales team in terms of just outstanding sales techniques, but maybe even more importantly than that, they were able to provide us with a system, a process that was repeatable. And in that, we're able to see very clearly from one month to the next how the, how the pipeline is doing, what prospects are in it, what kind of progress we're making, and what we can do to coach people to success. You can learn more about Holman Brothers Membership Sales Solutions by visiting holmanbros.com. Have you ever thought about creating a podcast for your chamber? We always hear about how chambers need to be storytellers. What better way is there to tell the stories of your members and the work of your chamber than through a podcast? Your audience is waiting to hear from you as a convener of leaders and influencers, champion for business, and catalyst for change within your community. I just launched a chamber podcast course with the goal to get your very own podcast started within 30 days. Visit chamberchatpodcast.com slash pivot to learn more and to enroll in the Chamber Podcast course today. For a limited time as a launch promotion, this course is being offered at a 25% discount. Be sure to purchase a course today to lock in your savings before the price goes up, even if you're not ready to start right away. Again, that's chamberchatpodcast.com slash pivot. You're joining us for our 2022 ACCE Chamber of the Year finalist series, and our guest for this episode is Ron Bunch. Ron is is here with us today representing the Bowling Green Area Chamber as their president and CEO in their bid for for Chamber of the Year. But Ron, uh, as he leads the the Bowling Green Area Chamber, they are a five-star accredited chamber placing in the top 1% of all chambers in America. The Bowling Green Area Chamber has served the Bowling Green and Warren County area for more than 85 years. As a driving force for the business community in Bowling Green, Warren County, the chamber also serves as the lead economic development organization for the region and is responsible for the South Central Kentucky Regional Economic Development Partnership. Since Ron joined the Bowling Green Area Chamber of Commerce, Their community has announced over $6.1 billion in capital investment and more than 11,200 new jobs. Bowling Green has been ranked in the top six nationally by Site Selection Magazine for the top 10 metros for new and expanding facilities for populations under 200,000 for nine consecutive years, including number one overall in 2018. The Bowling Green Area Chamber of Commerce has also won two consecutive Matt Conway Awards from Site Selection Magazine, which recognize the team as a top 20 economic development organization in the country for their performance in 2020 and 2021. Simultaneously, the chamber has been invited to apply for Chamber of the Year uh, in the U.S. by by ACCE for five consecutive years and making it to the finalist stage for three of those years. 
Ron received the Kentucky Association for Economic Development's 2014 James J. Coleman Community Economic Professional of the Year. With nearly 30 years of professional economic development experience, Ron is a certified economic developer and has led successful local and regional economic development efforts in Florida, Virginia, and South Carolina before coming to Kentucky. Ron, welcome back to Chamber Chat Podcast. I'm excited to have you with us today, especially under these conditions as a, a Chamber of the Year finalist again. That is a, a, a great feat. Um, but take a moment to say hello to all the Chamber champions out there listening and, and share something interesting about yourself so we can get to know you a little better. Okay. Well, I really appreciate you having me back on again. Uh, let's see something interesting about me. I went to West Point and, you know, one of the training opportunities I had while at West Point was to go to Northern Warfare training in Alaska. So I got to do front spiking, crevasse rescue and all that other stuff while we uh, lived on the glacier for a week as well, too. So it was a really great experience. So probably not many people know that. That is pretty interesting and uh, quite the experience, too, I assume. <laughs> yeah, it was some of the best training I've ever done. It was it was really great. Yeah, that's awesome. So I'll share a, a fun fact, too, is uh, Ron was a, a guest of ours back on episode 24, which was the, actually the very first Chamber of the Year finalist interview that I did on the podcast. So he, he helped pilot this series originally back in 2019. <laughs> so uh, if anybody wants to, uh, to go back and check that out, I'd encourage you probably not to because I probably wasn't as good then and it wasn't as well refined. But um I'm excited. I'm it's still going on considering I was the first guest. So that's, <laughs> that's right. And we're up to episode 182 now on this one. Awesome. So we've, we've come a, a long ways from there. But uh, Ron, take a minute and tell us about the Bowling Green Area Chamber, just to give us some perspective of size, staff, budget, scope of work, that sort of thing to kind of give us some perspective. Sure. You know, our chamber is around 1,300 partners or members. Our annual budget's around 2.4 million. Uh, we got a staff of uh, approximately 16 full-time folks. We're changing that up, up a little bit right now. We do have some virtual employees too that were contracted with uh, recently. We're trying that out. But probably the most unique part is that we run six different companies. So there's five additional companies beyond the chamber. Chamber houses all the employees, but we have multiple development companies, uh, foundations, multiple pieces that we uh, operate with one common management team. Right. So those additional companies, are they, they primarily focused around economic development and are the foundations? I, I guess give us, give us a little more sampling of what that looks like. Yeah, it's sort of a balance. Uh, you know, two of them are development companies. So one's a public development company that owns and operates the Trans Park. One's a private nonprofit development company that developed the South Industrial Park and owns some buildings. And it's been the tool that we use to build speculative buildings. Um, another entity is a public entity that we use to facilitate incentives and bond issues. Uh, we've got two um, 501c3s. One is our foundation that we've used to raise money for uh, what started out as Leader and Me that's uh, evolved into SCK Launch, which is our K-12 Comprehensive Talent Initiative. We've raised and invested about $2.6 at this point uh, through that. And we have another uh, entity that's a training consortium. So we seek out and bid and deliver on-demand training for different groups of companies uh, through it. Um, and then there's the chamber, obviously. 
Yeah. Well, you guys know how to stay busy and, and make an impact. So There's no shortage great. of board meetings. So if anybody's looking for a board meeting, in need to attend, <laughs> just come on down here and we'll set you up with one. That's right. Put you, put you in a room, right? Guaranteed. <laughs> well, as this uh, Chamber of the Year finalist series rolls out, what I like to do is focus primarily on the two programs uh, that you guys submitted as your, your program synopsis on the Chamber of the Year application. Um, so I look forward to, to diving into what those programs are, learning more about the impact you guys are making in your community as soon as we get back from this quick break. Are you looking for a year-round affordable and timely shop local campaign for your chamber or CVB? Look no further. Build a custom Eat Shop Play mobile app with App My Community by visiting appmycommunity.com slash chamberchat. App My Community mobile apps are not just simple membership directory listings. They provide many more capabilities to engage with your community. Provide your residents with a robust events calendar. Partner with a local fair, festival, or farmer's market to provide a schedule, map, and other resources to promote the event. Run a small business Saturday campaign any time of the year using built-in scavenger hunts. Allow your membership to communicate directly to their customers via push notifications. Your App My Community mobile app will be a unique member benefit, allow you to generate non-dues revenue with sponsorship opportunities, and best of all, provide a valuable resource to your community. Please visit appmycommunity.com chamberchat now to receive 10% off your first year of an App My Community mobile app. Oftentimes, Chamber Nation's customers agree that since Amazon is all centralized, then why not their own community, including their professional service providers? Since Chamber Nation includes a full-service membership services department to handle all of your new member onboarding and ongoing support at no extra cost to the members, this is now possible. Once the program is all set up, each member going forward will receive monthly membership ROI reports. The entire community will also have access to community-wide economic development reports that are terrific for supporting grant opportunities, too. With Chamber Nation, not only will you have a membership management system, but also a membership development system all in one terrific package. So, save money and be impressed by visiting richardscalendar.com to set up a demo with their CEO, or learn more at chambernation.com. All right, Ron, we're back. Uh, why don't you take us through what the two programs are that you guys submitted on your Chamber of the Year application, just first at a high level, and then we'll we'll circle back and get into a little more detail on each of them. Sure, the two different areas we highlighted this time, you know, one is a follow-on initiative uh, in talent. You know, so for the 11 plus years I've been here, 10 plus of those 11 have been focused on talent. And what we built out with uh, SCK Launch, our regional talent initiative that um, spans the K-12 system, city and county schools, as well as what we've done in public workforce. So one of those is uh, minorities in engineering. And our goal there was to seek to engage more minorities in K-12 and help lead them to engineering occupations um, and education through our university. And then the other initiative is in our role of managing, developing, and growing the Trans Park, which was a 900-acre uh, business park when we got here. Uh, that initiative, we essentially added uh, double the acreage in about a 24-month period, and then we're able to win 
several different projects as a result of that during the pandemic. So when not many people were investing in more product development, we were able to convince our city and county to invest in that. And it, it really uh, produced a lot of dividends for us. That is a, that is a pretty, pretty large impact there on the, the growth of the Transpark. Let's say, let's dive a little deeper into that one. How did you guys approach that? I know as we went into the pandemic, you know, we all thought it was going to be two weeks, right? Two weeks to <laughs> right. flatten the curve. Yeah. Lasted a little longer than two weeks. <laughs> right. <laughs> you can look at our programs and event revenue. And you can see that it lasted a little There's longer. a reflection there, right? Yeah, so yeah. how did you guys go about um, kind of seeing through the mess of the pandemic and kind of seeing where the light is at the end of the tunnel and the need to continue building um, especially in this trans park area to be able to, to double the acreage and investment in that area. What was your selling points and to be able to have clarity through all that? No, that's, that's awesome. The, um, and so obviously we've been managing the trans park all along. And as you mentioned earlier, we've been very blessed to be nationally ranked in economic development for nine consecutive years now. And so we've built some success in the trans park and developing that winning projects uh, in the, even during the pandemic, uh, we were able to win 20 different projects. And so we both saw an increase in activity and a reduction in available property. But we had been talking about growing the transport for some time. So what the the effects of the pandemic were that, you know, we saw more global companies. So when you look at global impact, we were talking with more global companies that were looking for available products so that they could change their supply chain. We also knew from a scarcity and abundance standpoint that those communities that had an abundant amount of property would be more successful because we had a track record of working with companies successfully. And But we knew we had a scarcity both of utilities and property. And so when you look to the Horizon report, I mean, those are two of the key factors in our analysis of the transport. So, Really, a couple of things played into it. You know, one was a tractor. We had a winning project. So we've had, um, let's see, prior to the recent wins, uh, about three of the top investments in Kentucky in a given year in the Transpark. And we have consistently performed. So the Sydney County had confidence in us. And so we began a conversation with them about doubling their investment from around $25 million to you know, 40 plus, almost 50 million in the Transpark. And they saw the wisdom in that during the pandemic. So um, they put together a bond issue, issued $46 million in debt that allowed us to acquire almost 600 acres. And that allowed us to win several projects. And then <clears throat> as we were recording one of the major projects, we it turned out we needed an additional 14 to 16 acres. So we went back to the city and the county who went into reserves to then provide funds so that we could buy additional property. This time about, I think it was close to 500 acres. So all said and done in a 24 month period, we brought on 1100 acres, which is larger than the original Transpark. And we've now won several projects, including the Envision project, which is the state's second largest investment in Kentucky history. And so, had we not had the advocacy and relationships with local government, had we not performed, we would have never been able to make that case for them to invest in such a challenging time. And so like everybody, 
we were also dealing with the effects of the pandemic and reassuring business and clarifying things for business and evolving how we do business. But we felt it was very important to bring on this additional property. And, and we were very blessed that it turned out to be great. You know, we were able to win uh, the project with Ball Corporation, which is a $300 million project, Tyson Foods, which was the largest job creation project up to that point. And then the Envision project is a $2 billion investment with 2,000 jobs. They'll build about 3 million square feet here for an EV project. Wow. That is, that is awesome. Uh, so did you already have some of this in motion before the pandemic hit, kind of the vision of where you wanted to take the trans park, or did the pandemic really kind of accelerate the need to be able to move forward with this? Yeah, we had some of the conversations already happening with the city and the county because the public entity we run has appointees from the city and the county, including the city manager and others. And so yeah. they were aware we needed to increase the size of the trans park. We hadn't solidified how much. And so as we did that, and then as we began to court some of the projects that started to respond, then we identified we need even more land than we originally thought. So just after the city and the county doubled their investment, which we, they had not planned to do with the $46 million, we came back and said, oh, by the way, we use another 500 acres. But that acreage allowed us to win the Tyson project and Tyson announced with 455 employees, which at that time was our largest new job announcement ever in Warren County. So that was a very exciting project, but it was amazing because that additional property, we needed about 14 acres to make their site work right. And we were able to secure another 500 or so acres that if we had not had, we could not have even talked to the folks at Envision. And, and so we were very blessed to be able to work the Envision project. Uh, it was pretty unique in that that mega project. We ended up having to work directly with the legislature. So I met with the Senate and I met with the House leadership. They were under NDA. And between the governor and his team and the Cabinet for Economic Development and the legislature, we were able to put together a package that ultimately won the project. So, I mean, tons of parties helped us to win. We were just the quarterback on the team, but what a great project. Yeah. And what a great investment for your community as well to be able to, you know, increase those number of jobs It increases the tax revenue base for the city and county to put the money in. It truly is an investment that's going to pay back pretty quickly, it sounds like. Yeah, no, I'm glad you, you share it like that, because I mean, like like all of us experience, I mean, everyone that's a chamber leader does all they can do to take care of their community. And, and that's all we've ever done. And, and in this instance, you know, we had probably 3000 jobs already in the trans park. So it was generating a really nice return on investment to the city and the county. Very positive. We've had, you know, we've been very blessed with success annually for years. And <clears throat> this Envision project with 2000 jobs, the economic impact of that is more than the cumulative trans park before it. Wow. <laughs> so it, it, it's, <laughs> it's really hard to wrap your head around uh, some of the numbers that, and, and so I, I really firmly believe that the city and the county having confidence in investing during the pandemic made a huge difference. But we're also have, you know, really worked with our team on recruiting and, and closing projects. We've um, been a leader in developing what we call a continuum of property. So there's always property in different stages ready for us to court projects. So there's been a lot of foundation work that then allowed 
this investment by the Sydney kind of pay such dividends so quickly. And we also had a reputation with site location consultants and stuff of being a, a go-to group, a group that delivers. And so all those things kind of came together, but amazing. Yeah, uh, that's a, a great win. And I look forward to seeing that continued development and the stories that come out of that that investment. Well, we've got um, we've got about five other projects teed up that should announce <laughs> in the next sixty days, so we're pretty excited. That's awesome. No no rest there at the chamber. No rest, if anything. <laughs> well, that's the other thing that all my chamber peers know. I mean, the the chase and the courtship and the announcement are all exciting, but that's about twenty percent of the work. Now we've got the eighty percent of the work of, you know, building sixty seventy million dollars worth of infrastructure helping with permitting, helping with incentives, helping them find talent. So now the real work begins, the right. other eight of the work. Right. Now, I, I love that impact that you guys are having there with economic development. Um, let's let's shift gears over to the, the first program that you talked about with, around talent and the minorities in engineering and tell us more about how that program works, um, how you guys saw the need to focus there and uh, you know who's involved with that that program to make it successful. Yeah, thanks. So the um, <clears throat> maybe a little preamble again, just to tie it together. So, you know, for the last decade here, we've focused on talent and we've built what's called SCK Launch. So SCK is our region. So it's also the labor market, 10 county area. And the launch is learning about unique and new careers here. And so that facet, we run the demand projections every month that then guides our work. It's interesting because the Envision project to tie those two things together yeah. cited our investments and our relationships that were built in SCK launch as one of the key reasons why they chose us because talent is tight everywhere. They liked the fact that we had a decade of investment, a decade of relationship building, a decade of different um, tactics that built on that core framework. And so that was a big uh, difference maker in our courtship with Envision, the $2 billion project, the 2000 jobs. But the minorities in engineering specifically was an effort to get more minorities in our community to the university and into careers. And so in this instance, we had about 11, 1200 engineers in occupations now in our economy. But as we ran that monthly projection, we could see that there were 900 plus engineering slots that were gonna be available. And so we became aware that in schools, students really didn't have visibility to the courses to take that led to engineering, nor was there really a pull to draw any students into engineering, but specifically minorities. And so one of the companies that we call on uh, this here had two parents that were minority with a a daughter that was in school and they brought this topic to us. And you know, up until then, even though we were so engaged, it's because we didn't realize that facet. And so we convened five different companies that were here who were all excited to come to the table. And we put together a cohort and we've begun to align the pathways in the schools that then both engage and set up um, a series of courses that one would take that could lead into engineering. And then we took I think 60 or so students to the university, had a variety of different speakers. Uh, I got to be there for a couple hours of it, and it was pretty awesome because you had successful engineers talking about the profession, talking about all the different places you can go with it. And you had these students engaging with everything from virtual reality to uh, just seeing hands-on equipment to do prototypes and stuff. So it was 
the students came away just really very impressed uh, with it. And so now our goal is to increase the number of students that can participate and to really make much more transparent the pathway of courses one would take in high school and then work with a group of uh, companies, university and school leadership to develop the right marketing materials to engage parents and students to make sure they know about not just the careers and what they pay, but the companies that would employ them here. Because we are blessed to have, you know, about 18% manufacturing here. So quite an array of engineers needed. And with the automation, robotics, and AI that's really taking place, there's a higher demand for very sophisticated engineering to, to support that. Oh, I, I love how you, when you started telling about this program, kind of making that connection between the, is it SCK launch? SCK is SCK a South Central Kentucky. Yeah. Um, and how that ties in to, you know, specifically with Envision and seeing, I don't know, as, as you were given that response, I'm thinking this is just, it's not just a program that you guys do, but this is part of your chamber DNA to say, this is who we are. This is what we do. And oh. it, it, it bleeds through, you know, as you go about other projects to see oh, where the it. value is. That's great. I mean, because, you know, we're inside it. And so for you to see that is, you know, very honoring, very important. I, I appreciate that. So it is. So like I had been an economic development leader in three states before this, five other positions. And, you know, when I got here, one of the things we discovered quickly was the need for talent. And so as we started running the data, we could see that there was going to be a shortfall in data in people through the data. The only thing the pandemic did was make a bad problem much worse. Yeah. And so the fact that we chose to invest strategically, you know, back to scarcity and abundance, we knew that talent was going to be scarce. But we also knew that because of that, talent was going to be critically important to our companies growing. On top of everything else we've done, <laughs> we spent quite a bit of time and money. And so, like, some of my peers would raise money for their operations we raised money to invest in schools. So we've raised and invested 2.6. We're getting ready to invest, raise and invest another two, two and a half. That'll help us build out actual operations in each of the schools so you can have like a hands-on academy. So right now we have a credit union in schools. We have two stores. Mm -hmm. um, so it, it, it's great. And then if you ever have a bad day, which happens from time to time in Chamber World, we just go to the school and see the young people enjoying, you know, the fruits of our labor. And we're like, okay, this is what matters. Let's That's just right. go back to doing what, put our uh, shoulder back to the grind and make it work. That's right. And I, I love how whenever I hear of any chamber that's showing what the opportunities are to the, the youth coming up in their community to say, there's great jobs here. You know, here's a sampling of, of what a career could look like if you stay here in our community. Uh, so any any time you can do that, and, and you guys are obviously focusing on, focusing on minorities, specifically in engineering, because there's a need there, right? Exactly. So seeing where the need is and, and filling that void. So I think that's a, a great focus, a great area of focus. And what's interesting, I mean, you can see too, we built it for the right reasons. And then even with that program, the Envision project we won, we had no idea the level of engineering they were going to require. And so it was great that we had already done that because we could point to what we already done, not what we might do, what we could do. We could point to what we had done. Right. And so they, they really love the overall program because it is K-12. 
but that wasn't important too because there's going to be quite a bit of engineering and technicians there's a very highly automated um, process in three million square feet to produce yeah. uh, electric batteries that they're going to produce that is that is awesome i love seeing these intertwining of, of these these programs uh, ron i wanted to ask you as how do you see the the role of the bowling green area chamber in your community yeah, the, but I hate to keep going back to the Horizon Report, but you know, really, we see our role under that catalytic leadership. I mean, it's our job really to listen to the business community and then advocate at whatever level with local government, state government, federal government, whoever we need to advocate with or to bring groups together, really to make sure our businesses have what they need, not just today, but going forward. And, you know, I think you can see that in what we're doing with you know, adding twice the acreage at the trans park. Good thing it's not on. <laughs> so for those not viewing, lights just went off in the building. Um, so sorry for the distraction. But, you know, investing in the trans park, doubling its size, uh, investing, you know, millions of dollars in K-12 talent development. Uh, it's that catalytic leadership. So we seek to fill roles of convening people and doing what the community needs, not just today, but into the future. I love that. And it shows, you know, that it's a, uh, as we look at, at these chamber of the year finalists, um, it's those who've really embraced the horizon report and have kind of leaned into that as far as what the future is like in their community are the ones that are, are being recognized and, and staying ahead of the curve, as I would say it to, to see what those needs are in their community. So I, I couldn't agree more. Um, I, I like asking everyone I have on the show, if you might have a tip or an action item for chambers that are listening who are interested in taking their chamber up to the next level, what would you suggest? Hmm. One would be to take risks. You know, it's easy to play it safe. Um, it's easy to stay within the bounds of what you think the board might be accepting or volunteers might be accepting, but if you find the right initiatives and take those on it will work and so take risks would be one thing i would say especially now because things are changing so quickly you're gonna have to do things that maybe you hadn't considered before done so that, that would be one thing i would say uh, is to take risks absolutely i see a, a lot of chambers don't want to be the first one to do something right you want to look around and see see what other colleagues have done how's it worked out let's test the waters but to be able to be bold and take those risks it, it takes some guts but it can pay off big time well, yeah I, mean, I hate to keep going back to it but i mean had we not invested in building the relationships had we not invested in what we've done both in k-12 and public workforce we would not have won the projects that we've won over the last couple of years, especially because in that time, everyone everywhere had talent constraints. Even when we talk with international companies in Japan, they have the same talent constraints. And so companies that are looking now are finding the same thing everywhere. What has helped us is we could point to a decade of investments, a decade of building. And so those things made a difference for us. And it, but it was a risk at the time to, to allocate that much of our organization and to fundraise for that versus operations. So, but the risk is paid off. 
Right. In hindsight, it made sense to focus on the future, especially with, you know, the baby boomers that would be retiring and and the need for talent. But then to have that, you know, exacerbated by a a worldwide pandemic and early retirements and layoffs and all these different things. um, Those who were looking ahead and preparing were much better positioned to be able to weather that storm. Um, as we look to the future of Chambers, speaking of future, how do you see the future of Chambers and their role going forward? Yeah, I think the other thing that you know we have sort we had sort of um, dabbled in and called it different things: solution-based selling. We finally settled on spin uh, that Neil Rackham put out, and you know the Ron Bunch short version of that is to truly have a heart for the person or the business to ask the questions you need to ask to truly understand what their needs are and what they value, and then to seek to meet those needs and values that they have. Uh, we don't want to be a donation. We want to provide a return on investment. So looking forward, I think whatever you call it, whatever sales methodology you look at, I would say Chambers truly having that conversation. And we set a goal uh, to focus on spin as our methodology and to have a conversation with every Chamber investor at least once a year to really understand in the coming year, have your value systems changed? What do you need from us? And I think that helps us to stay relevant, to stay connected. And the partners see that we're truly interested in them. We're not selling at them. Hey, we need money for this new program or event. It's, hey, we're doing this because we heard from many of you that this is in demand. And um, they it's it's paid off for us. And new partners joining without even talking to sales staff. Retention has increased. I think we're tracking about 89% retention, which is higher than it has been in the past. I think while the results are still fairly early, because I want to get you know three to five years under our belt, I think it is paying off that spin conversation. I think that's the kind of thing that would help chambers going forward, not do what we think is the thing, but do what research and conversations have told us is the thing that companies need in the area. I like that. It, it does show your relevancy. It shows your interest in each of those investor businesses. Um, I'd be curious how you, and, and maybe it's not an answer for now, but maybe in three to five years, if, as you gather that feedback and what their needs are and how they've changed, um, how you avoid trying to be everything to everyone, you know, because you can't accommodate every need that's presented to you, but how do you try to group them together to, to see the end goal of what their needs are? Well, yeah, those things have already happened. So, I mean, you know, an example of that would be uh, SCK1, South Central Kentucky, our region again, one, and that was a network. It's an umbrella delivery from the different entrepreneurship organizations. And so as we heard from that, it was very confusing. SBDC, SBA, Accelerator. I mean, who does what and who do I need to talk to? So we pulled them all together and created that new brand. And now you can go to any of them and they'll get you to the right resource. So we, because of conversations, we've convened. And so we don't try to be everything to everyone. We do the things that we do well. We partner with others on those things that need to exist for our businesses and make referrals to those other resources. But then we have a conversation with them about the the quality of delivery that we're looking for. So there's a consistent kind of quality and even chamber interaction or chamber affiliate interaction. Right. 
And that goes back to the connector and convener role of a chamber. Yes, so absolutely. Well, Ron, this has been a great conversation. I've enjoyed having you back with me on the podcast. I'd like to give you an opportunity to share any contact information for listeners who'd like to reach out and learn more about how you guys are doing things in Bowling Green and, and maybe compete for some of these projects from you. <laughs> what would be the best way for them to reach we out? We don't mind competition, so that's fine. <laughs> we just want a fair shot at it. That's all we want. That's right. <laughs> yeah, so it's Ron Bunch. So it's ron at bgchamber.com is the email. And our, our main line is 270-781-3200. So yeah, we would look for, we posted multiple communities. We've had a lot of conversations. We love sharing things we're doing because we want our whole country to be stronger. So anything we can do to be of assistance to our peers, um, we're happy to do. Absolutely. I'll get that in the show notes for this episode. So anyone who's you know walking the dog or driving the car can, can look it up and, and reach out and connect that way. But uh, this has been a, a great discussion. I'm impressed with the work you guys are doing and truly making an impact there in the Bowling Green area. And I uh, wish you and your team best of luck with Chamber of the Year. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. Appreciate what you're doing, too, to share these best practices with everybody. I think it really helps get the word out so that each chamber can be better for their community. If you are a chamber professional, please subscribe to Chamber Chat Podcast in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. When you subscribe to Chamber Chat Podcast, new episodes will show up in your podcast app each week as they are released. If you're finding value in this podcast, please leave us a rating and a review in iTunes. But most importantly, please share Chamber Chat Podcast with your colleagues that are in the industry. From lost opportunities to missed recruiting goals, membership salespeople need expert coaching to push through and achieve. It's how top performers get ahead and stay there. With Next Level Coaching, the Holman Brothers become your membership rep's de facto sales trainer, advisor, sounding board, and mentor all rolled into one. Visit holmanbros.com slash next level to learn more and request a free trial of Next Level Coaching for your membership pro.